Hello, and welcome to The Crux of the Matter, a podcast by pastors for pastors. My name is Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And I'm Pastor Scott Stigmeyer. You can find this episode's show notes at thecruxofthematter.net slash podcast slash four. Uh, we'll talk about how you can get a hold of us a little bit later, I expect. Um, our topic for this week is prayer and the pastor. Uh, this is something that I have, frankly, Scott, I feel like I think about it more than I do it, which probably isn't good. Um but this is a this is a topic that is that is very near and dear to my heart. I feel like professionally, I've spent a lot of uh, a lot of my writing efforts on prayer and other and other things. Um, before we kind of get to the the big uh, the question of where where does prayer itself fit with the pastor, um, I think it would be helpful to just take a moment to talk about what is prayer. And I realize that for pastors, this is kind of duh, but um, we can we can forget really obvious things sometimes. The, the definition that I usually use for prayer is prayer is a conversation God starts in his word. Uh, we, in my mind at least, have a tendency to think of prayer as a as strictly a one-way street, as this is this is me going to God, and, which is obviously true, but that's not everything. But if you look at how Lutherans have traditionally or historically viewed prayer, it is to a great extent really meditation on God's word as much as it is prayer as its own thing. Prayer is never its own thing. It kind of always is in conjunction with with um, the life of the congregation, the life of the of the people of God under the Word of God. I don't know what it. How do you start when you're uh, when you're teaching prayer? When you're talking about prayer, do you have a do you have an approach that you typically take? Well, I just want to comment on what you were saying a little further, because um, this idea of being in conversation with God, of course, uh, you gave the, the, the Lutheran sort of exposition of that, that we start with God's word, his revealed word in Holy Scripture. That becomes sort of our food for thought. We then meditate on that, contemplate that, pray back to him, his promises to us and so forth. When I think a lot of people who maybe are not of a Lutheran persuasion or not, maybe they are, they are Lutherans, but they haven't studied or thought about prayer very much. When they hear the phrase conversation with, that prayer is a conversation with God, they, I sometimes they think, have in mind this, what is called contemplative prayer in outside circles, where God is still speaking when it's a, if it's a conversation, God is speaking in your heart. That, and, and, and to gotcha. an extent, we, we absolutely don't deny that, but it's not like you're looking for some sort of verbal, personal revelation in your in this moving in your own inner spirit that is a, separate from and apart from and exclusive from Scripture. So this conversation right. with God, is his speaking is to us is through Scripture. And of course, that does stir our hearts. That does, you know, create 
emotional responses as well as physical responses, hopefully. And, you know, and those things are good, but that is different than saying that um, God is speaking to me. You know, I think that that language has different meanings for different people. And so that's my, that's my first thought. Yeah. And, and that's why when I, when I teach about it, I always want to tie it to prayers, a conversation God starts in his word. Yes. Uh, not uh, prayers that God is a conversation that God starts directly in my heart. Obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of challenges with that. But if you look at at very modern or contemporary views of prayer, although to be fair, this is hardly a new thing. No. Uh, what you're gonna What you're gonna find a lot of times is that prayer has really nothing to do with God's word or very little to do with God's word uh, all the way down to uh, I, I don't know I've been and we talked about this a little bit in the first episode I'm doing this class that I'm teaching on world religions and and of course prayer meditation is a very big topic in, in Buddhism in Hinduism um, in Islam in, in nearly every world religion that is a big big part of identity, a big part of who they are. Um, but so often it really becomes a variant of talking to yourself, a variant of of this sort of interior conversation, uh, meditation, and it has nothing to do with with some sort of outside outside source at all. So there's a real uh, there's a real contrast there. I was going to say, if it has, so so we're talking, we're starting to we're starting to distinguish prayer from what we might say call mysticism. Sure. And a lot of times, as I observe, even even Christian mystics, but also Buddhist mystics and Islamic mystics and Jewish mystics, they may say that they're using scripture, but what they're doing often is taking like a single word. A right. single name of God or a single word and repeating, or maybe it's a couple of words, but repeating them over and over and over and over so that it becomes sort of a, it puts you into an altered state of consciousness. It's a meditation right. in not the good sense, perhaps. I think that that's, that's, the, that's why you can have Catholic Benedictine monks getting together for conferences with Buddhist monks Zen Buddhists and finding that they have a lot in common in terms of spirituality. Well, that's because they're they're both, you know, except I'm just using Jesus as my word that I'm just repeating over and over, and a Buddhist might be using a different word. And and that's not I that gives me some grave concerns. I do think we as Lutherans are a little bit too much too cognitive. We're we're a little bit too cerebral at times when we think about God and prayer and so forth, the emotions, the inner life is more than just the brain and the cerebral processes. But, and so somewhere there's a middle path. I don't want to become a mystic, but I also don't want to be so rationalistic. And I think we Lutherans, because we're so word oriented, we tend to um, often, instead of becoming mystics, we often tend to become rationalists. Right. Well, and in many respects, that's the; those are the two ends of the spectrum. Is the the way that I've often talked about it is 
the word of God without prayer becomes rationalism, becomes yeah. simply an intellectual exercise. Prayer without the word of God becomes mysticism or enthusiasm where you really end up simply talking to yourself. Uh, and or, or to evil have, spirits, perhaps. Or, right, uh, talking to yourself may be the best solution there. Um, yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, – there's a lot of – of uh, there's a lot of potential for mess upness to use the theological term. Um, any other any other kind of initial thoughts on on that before we before we get into where does this fit with the life of the pastor specifically? Well, I think I of course you know theologically we could talk a lot about prayer as far as does prayer actually change the mind of God. I think that's sometimes where even pastors, <laughs> even though we have an advanced theological education and think about God stuff constantly or very, very much of our day, I still think we harbor doubts that prayer has any effect at all. We're talking, maybe I'm not talking to myself, but I'm just talking to the ceiling and, right. or, or, or to a God who hears but doesn't live and doesn't act. And so I think we, you know, that, that a conversation, and it might not be this conversation, but a conversation could be had where we talk about, well, what is prayer actually, a, how does it work? Is it changing God's mind? Is it more that we're trying to align our minds with God's will? And, and I think that's an interesting thing. We could look at biblical texts of people who pray or intercede for others, but, um, you know, that's one path. But I think perhaps maybe the path we're going to go down has to do with practice. What do you do? How do you do right. it? How does it? How do we make it more a part of our lives? Is that is that what you're kind of wanting to do next? Well, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, and if you look at you look at the ordination rite, and I think that you look at the expectations that people have of their pastor the ordination rite actually actually quite explicitly says that we have an obligation to uh to intercede before god for our people so we have a a a, a priestly intercession role if you want to put it that way so there's definitely that um but there are certainly also others I, for one, will confess that I have a very difficult time with making a discipline of regular prayer a part of my life as a pastor. And like so many things, I don't think that this is a, I don't think that this is unique to us, but it is absolutely a challenge. Uh, how often is it that that we are unable to spend time in prayer as pastors because I got too many other important things to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to, I have meetings I have to go to. I have Bible classes to teach. I have, I have sermons to prepare for. I have all, you know, you name the list crises to, uh, crises to referee or to intervene in, etc. And as a result, uh, prayer really becomes secondary, uh, if it's on the list at all. And 
and I don't want to simply lament that as, oh man, that really stinks. If you could, you know, buck up and just make it, just make it a bigger part of your life, just make it more important. Uh, I don't actually think it's that simple. There's something very theological going on, and that is that God answers prayer. God does not answer prayer uh, when and where we want Him to, but He answers when and where He wills. And prayer, by definition, almost is a a practice of the theology of the cross that mm. that that God is that God is present but hidden, yeah. and so prayer becomes this kind of this place where, as as pastors, we are confronted with the the reality that what I want. Both personally, professionally, uh, as a, a you know, kind of across the board, what I want is not going to get is not going to get answered quite as I would like or as quickly as I would like. It is very easy, therefore, as a pastor, to see prayer as kind of a waste of time. You know, mm-hmm. but I can pray all I want, but if I want to actually change things, I got to get to work. I've got to do it myself. I can't. I can't simply rely on God. I mean, what kind of crazy talk is that? Relying on right. God, right. Um, but that's exactly what we what we do as pastors. In my experience, I, I don't know. Am I uh, am I the only pastor out there that struggles with prayer? I don't think so. Well, there's at least two of us because um, I have very Ooh. similar. I have very similar concerns. I don't think we're the only people, I don't think we're the only pastors, and I don't think pastors are the only people that have extremely busy lives. All of our people, right. or very many of our people, are pulled in a thousand directions. They've got full, you know, they've got both mom and dad work. Maybe they have little kids that are pulling at them every free moment. By the time they get home, they're exhausted. The thought of having any kind of lengthy or or serious or deep prayer life is seems like an impossible quest. But I think that you have time for what you think is important. Ultimately, you have time to eat. You don't really have time to not eat. You do eat. You have time for what you think you must do. And because we actually have all the time in the world. (laughs) You know, we we have all the time there is, Todd. All the time that exists, we have. So it's it's... So, but I wrestle with that. I for sure do because pastors have unusual schedules. I I might not know from day to day exactly where I'm going to be at any given time. I have like a plan, but my plan is often changed by the circumstances of people's lives. That's just the nature of our right. of our of the calling that we have. But, you know, there are still moments when I know I'm going to be able to pray. And those are going to be times, at least for me, in the morning, in the evening, at mealtimes, and what often in my drive time. Often I'll just turn off the radio. I don't really need to be an expert in today's top 40. So I'll turn off the radio and spend some driving time praying. And, and sometimes that's, that's another way you can or if you commute somehow, if you're on a train for 30 minutes to get to work every day, instead of spending that time reading the Wall Street Journal, maybe spend it half of it or part of that time praying for your loved ones it might be even right. more fruitful way to use that time. 
Sure, sure. So I don't think you're the only one. I think we all feel a lot of pressure. And whether or not prayer works, my goodness, I, I've wrestled with those kinds of things. The devil wants us nothing more than to doubt God's. I, I heard it expressed this way once that I recently that I really have adopted. I don't think it's that God, the devil is trying to get us to doubt that God exists, but I think he's get, trying to get us to doubt that God has our best interests in heart. We're, exactly. we're, we're suspicious. We're suspicious. You know, is he holding back? He, he's not giving me everything. You know, there's something that he's not showing me or telling me, which is probably all true, but it's all for my good. Whatever God does is for my good. And that's the part right. where a doubt creeps in. And, and then that's where prayer becomes almost this, you know, I, I, look, I don't like playing mind games with people. I certainly don't think it's a good idea to try to play mind games with the Lord either and to try to say, well, what are his real motives? What is his, what is he really right. doing? We, you know, that, that's, right. that's where my brain goes in terms of satanic temptation when it comes to prayer. Right. Well, that does kind of highlight right back to the fall. Did God yep. really say, um, you know, God does not want you to be like like gods. Um, you know, God does not want you to be like him. God wants you to be something else, whatever that else may be. Uh, and so in many respects, prayer is, prayer is kind of the front line for the pastor yep. because it it forces me to acknowledge my own vulnerabilities, my own, my own uh, lack, my own lack of whatever, my lack of planning, my lack of, of willpower, my lack of fortitude, my lack of ability to kind of get my act together. Uh, it, it forces me to do what I want my parishioners to do. Mm-hmm. And I would really prefer if they would simply do what I tell them. Yeah. And, not, and not actually model. follow my example, right? Because yeah. being a model is a pain in the neck. I'm here to tell you well, it is hard. I, it's hard, and it's hard, you know, and we experience this in our parishes as well as in our homes with our children. Sure, sure, exactly. Because they, they're um, learning by what, what mom and dad do is more than by what mom and dad say about the Christian, the practice of the Christian life. That's right. And what's in, and so as a pastor, my own struggles with prayer and, and with making or continuing to have prayer be a regular part of my daily discipline is really a, fl- a reflection of, is a reflection of the struggle that my congregation has with that same thing, yeah, uh, and I and I'm not suggesting that that's causal. I'm not I'm not trying no. to be narcissistic here, but no. um, but I do think that that is indicative of what's going on. It, it is not a surprise that that it is a great struggle to uh, to continue to have prayer as a regular part of our discipline as pastors. Uh, it's a struggle for. Uh, it's a struggle for our Lord's disciples, you know. Couldn't you stay yeah. awake with me for one hour? Um, right. It's a it's a it's a struggle from start to finish. But I don't want to. Uh, I, I really do not want this to be to be heard or perceived as a as just a lament. No, no, um, no. 
because because that's not that's that's not my intent and and there is a lot to be said right now today for the tools that are in place for pastors that can be incredibly uh, incredibly helpful um I listed a few things that I have found of benefit. They'll be in the show notes. Um, a couple different, couple different books uh, that I think would be worth our spending a second to talk about. Before we do that, though, I want to take just a moment and try to answer the question of where can you find us. We would really like to get some feedback. I'm starting to get some, not a whole lot, but we'd like to get some feedback from you on what would be topics that you would like to hear about, what are uh, questions, comments, disagreements, whatever it is. You can find us at thecruxofthematter.net is uh, the website. Uh, you can email the show at feedback at thecruxofthematter.net. You can find me at todd at thecruxofthematter.net or scott at scott at thecruxofthematter.net. Uh, you can also find us wherever good uh, good podcasts are purveyed, including on iTunes. Just uh, If you just search Crux of the Matter or type in Peppercorn or Stigmire, I find it unlikely there are a lot of other Peppercorns or Stigmires on iTunes. Um, but let's get, back to our, uh, let's get back to our topic for the moment. Probably the, uh, probably the big the, – probably the book in the last 10 years, let's say, that, that is the, has been the most ambitious approach to a disciplined daily prayer life is the treasury of daily prayer. Uh, this is a, a a pretty substantive volume, and what it does is tries to gather together every uh, almost every kind of uh, it tries to gather together a lot of the strengths that we have as Lutherans, and that is uh, the daily offices. Uh, it includes uh, Old Testament and New Testament readings for each day. It includes. Uh, a meditation for each day, a psalm for each day, uh, prayers for each day. So it's kind of the uh, all-in-one package. In my experience, if you do the Treasury of Daily Prayer uh, kind of as it was intended, I'm going to say it's about 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes, something like that. You're talking about a couple different chapters from Scripture, Psalm, maybe a little less. It kind of depends. But that's sort of the, uh, that's sort of the gold standard book, in my mind at least, on, on uh, topics. But that one is not geared specifically toward pastors. Um, do you have any books that you have, uh, that you have found, Scott, that have been a particular benefit to you over the years? Yeah, I, I mean, I love the Treasury of Daily Prayer as well. But since um, you know we think of this podcast as for everybody, but we're we're targeting pastors and shop talk for pastors. The the books that I've enjoyed, and many Lutheran pastors will know these, but but if you're not happen to not be a Lutheran, you might not know about this book. And uh, the first one I want to point you to is called the Minister's Prayer Book by John Doberstein. I still use that. I don't use it every single day. I go, unfortunately, I kind of go in spurts where I'll use it daily for a while and then I'll, you know, stop and maybe do something else. And, but I still find it, it's kind of a miniature version of Treasure of Daily Prayer. It's, of course, it's, it's, it's several decades earlier, 
And um, but it does have like daily me- uh, meditations, and, and it has psalm and and scripture and petitions for each day. Um, the minister's prayer book. I find that to be kind of a good one by Doberstein. Well, there's another book that I like too, and it's by George Krauss, and it's called The Pastor at Prayer. George Krauss used to be the professor at Concordia Theological Seminary, our alma mater, but he was uh, in heaven with the Lord by the time we were there. But that's a nice book. It's very helpful. It is geared towards pastors, and uh, it's it's helpful, but my I don't like it personally as well as I like the Doberstein book. And I, I, and I, maybe that's just because I've been using Doberstein longer. And so it's just more of a habit and I'm more comfortable with it. But uh, just know that there are a couple of good resources out there from a strictly and uniquely and authentically Lutheran position. There may be other good things. I mean, I can imagine using an older version of the book of common prayer might have some good devotional material or some Roman Catholic material that I might find useful, or even for my own devotions, I'll sometimes use The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. These are great devotional writings that don't aren't recent and don't necessarily come out of the Reformation period. Right, right. Um, another one of the books, and, th- and this kind of goes beyond the pastor prayer topic and, and to more to daily daily meditation things uh, is a book by uh, a book by Bo Geertz mm. called the Lord will the Lord will answer am I am I thinking of the right title there yeah I, I think, think so. so I um, think so yeah um, but uh, basically it's a it's a daily meditations by uh, Bo Geertz this uh, longtime bishop in Sweden 20th century uh, and it's geared toward the one-year lectionary, so most of the readings and meditations are on those on those topics. So if you use a one-year lectionary, it's a, almost a no-brainer to use. Uh, I have used that for for personal meditation uh, and and kind of as a springboard for prayer. I've also used it. Uh, oftentimes, I will read a devotion from that for church meetings and other things. I find him really incredibly accessible. Uh, along the way, so that's another that's another good one. But we probably, uh, I don't know. I think we probably covered enough on, enough on this topic, at least to uh, get us started. Uh, I am definitely interested in our uh, in our hearers on what it is that they use as pastors that they have found particularly a benefit. I know that there are tons of other works out there that could be uh, that could be mentioned. Um, and, uh, so what is it that you use? Why do you like it? What's the, uh, what's the, uh, what is it that actually works for you? So at this point, yeah. So, um, at this point we, uh, we move to, uh, a couple final topics. One of the things, Scott, that I wanted to try starting, uh, was we, we all stand on the shoulders of giants and when it comes to podcasting, uh, radio, and and how this happens, there are there are so many different places to point. For me personally, uh, so I want so I really want to do is start a uh, friend of the show segment and just just mention some of the shows that we have uh, we have either listened to or watched or have uh, have kind of uh, uh, that I think do a lot of the a lot of similar things to what we're talking about. 
but maybe have a little different emphasis. And, and really the uh, grand poobah of that for confessional Lutheranism is Issues Etc. You can find it at issuesetc.org, uh, hosted by Todd Wilkin. Um, I don't know. How many times do you think you've been interviewed on Issues Etc.? Oh, a number, many times, and usually it's <laughs> yeah. been over pop culture issues or sometimes nowadays yep. bioethical issues. Yep, yep, yeah, I've been interviewed on there uh, many, many times. Typically what I've been, been interviewed on uh, is, has been on, uh, on prayer and the Psalms uh, uh, and also the topic of clinical depression and mental illness, um, although there have been other topics as well. Uh, and I'm sure we'll cover some of those here. But if you are not familiar with issues, etc., cetera, uh, I, I am really curious on where you live, first of all. But secondly, uh, go check it out, issues, et cetera, dot org. Uh, they, they do a great job there. They are uh, they're really a live radio show that then sends out their material as podcasts. So they're on they're live about three hours a day, I think, something like that. So they have quite a lot of. Uh, Quite a lot of different things cooking, and uh, and it's a great show. I totally agree. Finally, amen. Um, finally, we have the uh, what's bringing joy this week section, or uh, what is uh, what's happening for you of uh, of interest at this point. Uh, do you have anything in mind for you, Scott? Yeah, I do. Joy for you. Yeah, I do. This is actually what I'm going to talk about is actually a Christmas gift that I gave to Julie. <laughs> it's bringing me great joy. And, um, Excellent. That's uh, the best kind that, of gift. I mean, it's, it wasn't intended to be that way, but um, there's a couple of things that uh, I could mention, but I'm just going to refer to one thing. And it's called the magic bullet. I don't know if you even know what that is. If if you don't know what that is, look for that on Amazon. The Magic Bullet. It's an appliance. It's a kitchen appliance. Um, so if I'm not being stereotypical male here by buying my wife a kitchen appliance for Christmas, I don't know what it, what could be. But let me defend myself. Uh, both my wife and I are on a bit of a program to try to lose a little weight. And this was... Um, something I thought would be helpful. And we also, not just about weight, but we're also trying to eat more vegetables and just be more healthy and eat, eat more healthy food and fresh vegetables and plants, basically fruits and vegetables. And what the magic bullet does, it is like the strongest blender on earth. It's like a food processor, only one that's powered by NASA. And you, you <laughs> fill up, it's, that's what it is. You fill up this cup um, it's actually a rather large cup. It looks like it could be, you know, maybe a liter. And you fill it halfway with green vegetables. So spinach, kale, all the different leafy vegetables. We throw in celery, cucumbers, all that kind of stuff. Then you fill the rest of it up with fruit, a variety of berries, apples, oranges. You can even throw in oranges with the peel on if you want to. Bananas. Then you can put in a little yogurt, you can put in some almond milk, and it takes about 10 seconds to blend that concoction into a very delicious smoothie. I'm not kidding. It is the best meal replacement <laughs> that I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm consuming at least three or four times as many vegetables in a, in a week than I was before that. We're both really enjoying this, this product, the Magic Bullet. Cool. 
that's fun. We uh, we have a uh, what I expect is a very similar pro- uh, product that we use called a Vitamix mm. that uh, that does does the same thing. Um, and and again, powered by NASA or something along those lines. It's really quite remarkable. I would also like to point out that they make really good margaritas. <laughs> I know that's, that's not right. quite as healthy, but mm, good. Mm. Yeah, we like um, those. What I would like to uh, – what's bringing me joy this week is uh, is Lent because Lent mm-hmm. always brings me joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working as are pretty much every Lutheran pastor on earth on uh, getting myself together for Lent and what I, what I need to do to prepare for that. This, uh, this year I'm writing a, uh, a Lent midweek series on the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to take each of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, etc. Um, there are lots and lots of books that could be uh, – that could be highlighted for that. Uh, I'm going to mention two. The first is a, a really delightful little piece by Martin Luther that Luther wrote to his barber called uh, Luther's, Luther's Letter uh, to Peter the Barber on Prayer. Um, and it's, a, it's, not, it's not real long. There's actually a, uh, a version of it. Let me see if I can, uh, let me see if I can pull, up the, pull up that. I think it's called A Simple Way to Pray. Uh, that uh, that CPH recently produced um, cost a couple bucks a piece or something like that. But he does a delightful job in highlighting both why we pray and a method of prayer that's it's really meditation on on the catechism is what I would call it. So that's a so that's one a short one, uh, one that's a little bit longer but does a lot of. A lot of similar things is Martin Chemnitz's work on prayer. I don't know if you're familiar with that one or not, Scott, but uh, uh, CPH produced this uh, translation. It's probably been 25 years ago, something like that. Uh, I've always, I've always been a big fan of uh, of Chemnitz, and uh, and his work on the Lord's Prayer is really where I. Probably one of the big places where I I kind of have gotten this conversation language out of my head. So um, so those are my uh, those are my two things that are that are making me uh, cook right now as a pastor. Great. Anything else you uh, you've got on your mind for us, or should we call this uh, call this a morning? Uh, I think we did it. I think we covered it. It's been a lot of fun. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks to uh, all of our listeners. Again, you can find us at feedback at thecruxofthematter.net, and we will see you next week.